I'm Adam Coleman, inviting you to the fifth season of The Cosmic Library from LitHub. This season, we go on our tiniest reading adventure yet, into short stories in the U.S. But this too turns out to be almost all-encompassing. I think short stories are essentially brief encounters with felt life. That's Oxford literary scholar Andrew Kahn, who gives us a deep history of the short story. And we hear from The New Yorker's Deborah Treisman, who explains her work as an editor of short fiction. You know, if you are melding with another person, you don't turn that person into you, but you get to know the ins and outs of that person. So, and it's, it's sort of like that. I always feel involved with the stories. We bounce around between the history and current life of short stories with the novelist Justin Taylor. The nice thing about it going out of fashion is that it really frees you up to relate to it in a different way. This being the Cosmic Library, we make sure to go way beyond U.S. short stories, too. Here's the Washington Post critic, Becca Rothfeld. A lot of Kafka short stories, I think, gesture at or describe um, sort of nightmarish geographies or architectures. And the actor Max Gordon Moore reminds us just how wild short stories can be. With a reading in its entirety of Wakefield, the intensely strange, classic Nathaniel Hawthorne story. He had contrived, or rather he had happened, to dissever himself from the world, to vanish. Get ready for all that and more in a season about short stories, small windows into vast universes. It's season five of The Cosmic Library, available soon wherever you go for podcasts. Hi, welcome to the Maris Review. I'm so delighted to be joined by, by my Canadian friend, Anna Kana Schofield. Um, she is an award-winning Irish-Canadian writer of fiction, essays, and literary criticism. Her previous novels are Malarkey and Martin John. The UK edition of Bina was shortlisted for the Goldsmiths Prize in 2020, but the US edition was only just recently published. So it's so exciting to get to talk to her in front of Americans. <laughs> Welcome, Anakena. Thank you, Maris. Thank you so much for letting me into your country. This is my debut. <laughs> this is, I finally get to talk to Americans. I think I'd like to start by apologizing to Americans for, for the last four years. Oh, I mean. <laughs> yeah. You know, I grew up under, partly under Margaret Thatcher. So, yeah, I, I, I feels you, as they might say. You know, <laughs> I feels you. Um, yeah. You're working at a COVID lab now in Canada. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I Well, because all my events were cancelled um, yes. last year. Now, I have to confess, I didn't actually have very many events, but <laughs> the ones that I had were cancelled. Um, and then, you know, I felt really strongly. I've had a long interest in infectious diseases, as the poor misfortunates who follow me on Twitter have discovered. <laughs> and so I was actually ahead of the pandemic um, by about four months. So by the time the pandemic came, um, you know, I was actually, you know, kind of bored. And then, like I say, everything unraveled. And, and then I just, you know, started to realize, oh, I don't have any money. But I was so, I was so upset about, about COVID that I decided, well, I'm going to go and try and get a job and do something to help COVID. I mean, obviously, I'm not actually helping COVID. I'm doing a very minor, you know, I'm just racking samples and entering data. I'm not doing anything significant. But yeah, uh -huh. I'm working in lab. Yeah, I, I think that counts. Let's not diminish this. Um, it, was, it was pretty fun, though, trying to apply, right? Because I hadn't like done any job like with other people for 
quite a long time because previously I've just like written and freelanced and I used to write gambling news actually for a long, Ooh. long, long time. I uh, don't know anything about gambling, but, um, and so when I applied for the job, <laughs> I had to write this kind of poetic little paragraph where I said, it shouldn't be a surprise that artists need to find alternative sources of income. You know, um, I must admit, I'm a little bit raucous working in the COVID lab. Most people that work in there are biologists. <laughs> I'm definitely the loudest person in there. Um, but it's not uninteresting. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. even as a writer, looking like I had never seen racks. I had no, I mean, I'd done a nasopharyngeal swab. And so I knew what that looked like. So formally, it's kind of interesting just looking at the shape of everything and, and thinking about the narratives behind all those test tubes. Oh, and I mean, I can't <laughs> wait for you to start playing with that. Um, tell me about how Bina came to be, because I know there's a bit of a story uh, behind that and like how you develop this character who is, is really singular. And yes, all of you Americans, get ready. Well, you know, it's a funny thing, but when I gave birth to my son, he took 48 hours to come out and it required like air, sea, search and rescue. And, you know, a big old, you know, I had to have a C-section. Whereas I must admit, the biner just kind of rushed out of me. <laughs> so, so even You're though- I'm going to use that metaphor. Okay. <laughs> so but even though, and I want to point out the biner is 74 years old, um, but it was a very easy birth, but she's my <laughs> third novel. And so biner was a- I mean, I would say a residual character in my first novel, Malarkey, but I'll be honest with you now, there was nothing residual about Bina in that book because she shows up, I, I don't know if it's like the fourth episode or the third episode, and she takes a hammer to a plane because she's, she's on a protest at Shannon Airport. Um, and the first novel I wrote, Malarkey, took 10 years to write um, because, you know, I'm a very late bloomer. So <laughs> shout out to all those tortoises who are just hitting 50. Um, there's nothing to rush towards <laughs> except what the Maris podcast. Oh, no. But so basically Bina was our, our woman. So my first novel is a novel about grief and sexuality. Um, and Bina was our woman's kind of best friend. A woman is the, is the character in the first novel. And she had this one great line that always stayed with me. Um, so when the character Malarkey it, she has an unraveling and she's in the psychiatric ward and Bina comes to visit her and she says don't let them put anything in your mouth and don't let them put up anything up the other end either <laughs> and I just thought that was such a good warning for life so okay. I actually thought I would write Bina as the second novel but then Martin John came along and then I ended up back at Bina and yeah I never look at what I've written for these people so I never go back and look, I just write on. And usually never. once I get to copy editing, I have to go back and look because somebody says there's something wrong with this sentence. And I think, I think that sentence was in the first book. <laughs> so then I look it up, right? Wow. And, and you're just able to kind of keep it all in So well, I think quite possibly, maybe somebody dropped me on my head when I was small <laughs> because yeah, I don't know. I'm. The other thing that happens with these books is like Martin John is a novel about um, a molester. I mean, it's a novel about a mother and a son and the son is a sex offender. Mm -hmm. And that novel was published maybe a year or two before the Me Too movement. 
and all of that. Um, and the albina, you know, is a novel oh. about a woman who's had enough and takes to the bed. And so I obviously the novel was published in Canada in 2019. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a little I've been I've been, you know, tiptoeing towards the border. And I've arrived now <laughs> in 2021. And um, and so it's so strange to be publishing this book about a woman who's had enough, like literally several weeks after you have been liberated from that awful toad. I mean, I'm just being polite here. And um, and we've just spent a year in lockdown. And here's this woman who, who so either it's going to drive everybody nuts, this book, or I hope they'll find like comfort. I want people to find comfort. I want people to be feel less lonely in the pandemic with Bina. Absolutely. I mean, so let's talk about the dedication um, because yes, it really spoke to me um, and it's simple and I'm sure you know it by heart. The dedication reads for every woman who has had enough. Um, and yeah, I wanted from the beginning, I mean, I only thought this of this this morning when I was cleaning my teeth. So this is kind of, so, so I actually, I, I thought about it when I was cleaning my teeth. I thought I wanted to write a book that was, you know, unabashedly, unapologetically for women. Like, I mean, obviously that's totally ridiculous because I love men and they're welcome and they do read my books and some of my, um, you know, some of my best uh, readers have been men in terms of the insights they've given me about my books. But I wanted to say, no, this is a book for women about a woman. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not apologizing at all. This is not but one woman and, and, and have at you, as Shakespeare would say. (laughs) And, you know, I thought when I was recording the audio book for this, for Bina, I had this feeling like she's almost Beowulfian, like, hmm. you know? and so there was this interesting process when I wrote this book. I wrote this book as a diptych with another book. And the idea was that I wanted to write two books um, in parallel that would be published together. Oh, um, but then I finished the draft of Ina and, um, and then I had this horrible feeling that the reason I wanted to do that conceptually to challenge myself as, as a writer but once I finished that draft after by now I had this eerie feeling in my soul where I thought you don't think it's enough like you don't you feel that this story about this ordinary woman is somehow not enough and that's why in a way you're subordinating her to this other book so, so I you sm- liberated her well I smacked myself around <laughs> the chops and said What's up with you? And, and I'll be honest with you, it's true. And I think a lot of um, writers probably experience this, um, you know, where you just, you know, uh, writers are, are always worried about their books, even after they're written 10 years later, they're still worried that their books aren't any good. And, you know, which just, I don't know, well, at least this writer, it's like living <laughs> in a perpetual, you know, tornado of despair, basically. So I can't, um, I, I have not heard that from anyone else, so. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm a total head case. It's um, official. I'm, I'm, it's on Maris's podcast. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I promise. Um, um, yeah, I know. Somebody asked me the other day. Actually, it was the lovely writer, Mike Harrison, who is now his name. I call him Mike Harrison, but that's not his published name. He might be, Anyway, Mr. Harrison, who won the Goldsmiths Prize, he asked me the other day in a in a message something like, is there any joy? And I said, never. 
how we know you're a real writer oh i don't know it's very bernhard ian that was another thing about Bina. she's you know bernhard has all these and i just only discovered bernhard very very recently and i mean he has all these marvelous kind of grumpy men and <laughs> so you know let's have a few disobliging women um absolutely and you know. i feel like the dedication sets us up for sets us up to love Bina, like she doesn't come across as warm and inviting as first, but we are already angry on her behalf. We don't know what happened, but something yeah. bad happened. I think as well, it's okay to have had enough. So, because the novel looks at the kind of philosophical quandary of mm -hmm. um, autonomy and dying. And so the question of, um, you know, whether you have the right to die and whether in having the right to die about the, I guess ultimately I was looking at how do we accept that people have had enough. Now, of course, um, these are, are questions of like end of life choice. Sure. But I mean, I, I have experienced some, I have lost friends to suicide and I have often like, you know, it's, it's so crushing. It's so, you know, you never, ever, ever, recover from that and you spend your life wondering wondering and then there's a, a point where you also question um accepting the person's choice um which i've not really yet managed um actually ian lee wrote such a beautiful yes um beautiful beautiful thank you ian lee because that's the only time i've read something which helped me understand what somebody who's making that choice or who's in that state might be feeling so you know I would add Gee. Miriam Taves. Um. Yes, yes, of course, yes. Um, anyway, so so I wanted to look at the question of, um, okay, Bina's going around and she's in this um, group, this thing that I call the group, because of course there's no medical assistance in dying in Ireland. We're very lucky in Canada. We do have, federally we have it. And I know oh. in parts of America, <laughs> you know, um, Oregon and California and... Right. Um, and so I was really curious about that, like, well, okay, so Bina can be in favor of helping people. And then Phil, who's the character, our woman from Malarkey, asks mm -hmm. her to help her. And I love this idea. Then I got into female friendship, right? Oh, I mean, it's yeah. the most pure thing that, that I can take away from this book is just that absolutely unconditional Oh, I'm so happy that you, 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 you got that from it because um, it really is a novel about female friendship. A, a lot of times when people review this book, and I'm certainly not complaining, I'm just mm. delighted if anybody writes about my book because I know that my work is, is not easy to write about. I kind of have deep sympathy for anybody who's tasked with doing it. But, um, and maybe it's also being a woman. For me, it's about those women. But there's always an awful, everybody seems to, not everybody, but sometimes the reviews really focus on the, the violence. that Because Bina lives with a, um, well, a man has, has, you know, she's been lumbered with this man. And, and, and that's, again, like women, we tend to lumber ourselves with people. And sometimes we only realize we've been lumbered with them once we've gotten rid of them. Um, so I love this idea of this woman who can't solve the problems in her own kitchen, which is this man 
who crashed his motorbike into the wall in front of her house and then she took him in and she's been stuck with him for 10 years. Eddie, Eddie. is his name. Eddie. Yeah. And not very nice about Eddie's in this book. No. So, um, so, you know, she, so she leaves her kitchen to go and help people to end their lives as part of this group. They're, they're suffering intolerably. They're not, you right. know, it's, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're terminally unwell and, and, and so I like the idea that she can go into other kitchens and relieve, um, relieve their burdens. And I, I just think that's true in life. We can yeah. be very prescriptive. And then there's nothing like, I, mean, I suppose that's a metaphor for female friendship or any friendship, you know, um, for that matter, because I have male friends who are, you know, the friendships feel very, very intimate, like the ones I have with women. And so... Yeah, there's something in that that I wanted to like, somehow, um, um, what is the word, like tattoo that upon the page. So um, so it's strange. It's so, it's so funny to be talking about this book in such complete abstract terms, but that really is the book. Um, you know, it's, it's not, um, my work is not linear. My work is very much governed by form. So to write a novel, I have to find the form. And the form of this novel is warnings. Yes. So the, the, the novel unrolls as a series of warnings. Um, and yeah, that's why I think my work is very puzzling for people. <laughs> but but no, human but beings, Maris, human, human beings are puzzling. Uh, and, and we Life. were talking about the pandemic a little bit before I started recording, but like the idea that Baina has someone to whom she can escape mm. and leave her kitchen is something that is so poignant in, in these days when when that's just not an option for most people. Um, Ab absolutely, and I mean we are we are broken hearted by this pandemic. Sure and you know, shout out to the single people living alone absolutely. who have nobody, and you know, nothing against marrieds, but obviously. You know, they might hang out with one another before. Like, don't forget your single friends out there. This has been so, I mean, isolating for people and elderlies. And we are brokenhearted in a way that I think we are broken, not brokenhearted. I feel like humanity is broken by this pandemic in a whole new way. And somehow, you know, there's almost something slightly biblical about it that mm -hmm. we never have we known until now maybe maybe that's not true I, I mean there are many people who've been incarcerated who must know this and I really hope that we revisit the notion of incarceration as a result of this pandemic because nobody should be this isolated um but never like the people who are not incarcerated have we known like how much the contact with our fellow humans is so vital and um oh my God, it's, it's crazy making. It's crazy making. And the other thing is, that is another reason why going to work at the COVID pandemic was liberating. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe it. Like I work with 79 other people. So I feel like I have a, a context for the pandemic now that I never had for the first nine, 10 months of it. And, you know, I, I hear people on Twitter or wherever, and I know what they're experiencing. I mean, it's terrible. And I feel almost like fortunate because I have a context for it. I see yeah. that we have a pandemic. I see thousands of specimens. I, you know, I deal with them. And most people who are stuck alone at home don't. 
Now, that said, I'm also conceptually very interested in the idea of solitude. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find, you know, I don't write novels about people trying to find a boyfriend. <laughs> I don't write novels about, you know, I just, you know, my people are mithering, but they're mithering about other things. And I've nothing against novels about people trying to find a boyfriend or failing to find a boyfriend or getting a boyfriend. Those novels, you know, there's room for all sorts and there can be fantastic genius novels about that topic. I'm just not going to write them. Yeah. And, you know, I'm interested really maybe in a more kind of existentialist isolation and how does one, how does one kind of house the self? And I have no idea. <laughs> just <laughs> writing three novels whatever number of 900 pages this pandemic has shown me I haven't got a bloody clue I'm no idea <laughs> I'm clueless and Bina of course not to make it all about this but she does not have Twitter she does not tweet so we she needs to find an alternate way to communicate what's going on inside her head tell me yeah. about that so again another thing that I I'm not interested in creating as a writer, but I totally respect the the people that are are creating novels. Is is how there's a lot of novels with writers in them, and and like I say, that's fine. People write amazing. Doesn't matter who's in your novel. You know, you could write about a tea leaf, and if you're a great writer, we'll we'll be there with you. You could write nothing but about one puddle for four hundred pages, and if you're a great writer, we'll we'll go to that puddle with you. Um, I'm not interested. In, in that, because I, mean, I understand why that is interesting, because of course you immediately have a reason why the person's writing. So I had to think about the materiality of, okay, well, what would an older woman, I mean, by 74, living in rural Ireland, like what material would she have access to? How would she write? And so, you know, I thought about um, like the things where people are writing things on the backs of envelopes. I don't know, I'm from, I'm nearly 50 years old and people wrote letters, you know, um, when I was a child, I wrote letters. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I remembered, you know, whenever you've cleaned out somebody's house or you've gone through somebody's things or you've just been around in a place where a person has lived a life, you find like jotterings. Um, yeah. I have a really beautiful diary um, from, I can't remember what year, I think it's 1972. It's actually over there. I could show it to you. And it's just got a few scribblings in it and it's from my granny. And it's got mostly stuff about the weather or little quotes from usually they were fixated on John F. Kennedy in those days. Sure. If he said anything, it was written down. Um, and so, you know, little facts about the world. And so I think that informed me a little bit. But I was curious, like, OK, so then I realized, well, maybe she's just writing on the back of whatever paper she has. And also it looks interesting. Yeah. I mean, a bit Anne Carson, because I love the way Anne Carson does that. She just puts everything in the middle of the page um so that's that's that um but yeah I mean I kind of imagined maybe she was writing on the back of a receipt say for nine chickens or something <laughs> and you know. yeah and and what I love the idea that whatever she's writing on determines the form of her writing because of course like that's physically yeah. And the other, the other thing, um, this is such a great conversation because as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking of, of things that I didn't know I was trying to do in this book. <laughs> and that's what happens when you write a book. Like this is what's so incredible about readers. Readers teach you about the book you've written because obviously you don't know what you're doing. If you knew what you're doing, you'd 
you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, you, you know, you grow marrows or something because it's, it's, it's too difficult being a writer. But, um, you know, I'm interested in creating propulsion, but not necessarily with plot. So the other thing was to create, um, I mean, it's a little Ulipian, I suppose. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that word right, but that's how I say it. Um, and so, you know, you put constraints in. So first of all, Bina is, you know, she's been arrested for aiding and abetting in a suicide. And so she's only got limited time to tell us this thing. And that again, she contracts the space and she, she uses this, you know, this technique on the back of whatever she can find and she's in a hurry. And then the other thing is she can't, there are certain things that she can't say because she could incriminate herself or she could, you know, implicate herself. So all of those little things were, were the means by which I want to create propulsion. And somebody who's really, really good at doing that is Cesar Aira, the Argentinian oh. surrealist novelist. And I kind of love the way he does it. Um, so, you know, I'm just deeply, deeply curious about literature and, and that's what I'm up to. And I know that, um, I mean, it's a bit hard sometimes because you can sometimes feel like nobody's interested in literature anymore, right? <laughs> they're just interested. I don't know what they're interested in. I mean, especially mainstream publishing. Um, but, you know, there's still about 11 and a half people out there who are. We're here. We're <laughs> and <laughs> That's what's so good about, you know, getting to publish a book is you, 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 God, you discover the most incredible writers. It's not even really about your book because your book encounters other writers and then you learn about all these new bodies of work. Um, and that's exciting, you know? And that's one of the things I do love about America. I always, I, well, my other two books were not published in America by an American publisher, but they were distributed in America. And I always found um, that they, my books like, locked into like little seams of of people with with interests in translation and world literature and and like I think it's just because it's such a massive country that you mm -hmm. can go in and you can find these wonderful seams and 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 people who, who also write really intelligently about literature and who are just so I like that that I mean for, for everything that's been so difficult and contracted about your country for the, especially for the past four years it's been very terrible there still remains like spaces and I don't know I just feel like maybe I've just been really blessed um but I've definitely you know connected with with some of these thinkers and re and readers and writers and I don't know I get excited about that what's not to get <laughs> excited about I mean that's and 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 I I think that's part of the magic of the internet is finding the 10, 20, 100 people who care about the same thing that you do. Yeah, and make you and educate you further and open your mind and introduce you to all of these new writers and work that you don't know about. And, you know, so again, that's one of the magical things about, um, about art making, you know, there's like very, very little in there that's great but those are the great bits yeah. you know usually it's like lonely and hard it's basically like the pandemic but definitely more interesting than the pandemic yeah same amount of money being made <laughs> yeah oh, as I say like we're kind of um in a economic lane that hasn't been invented yet like you know there's like the heavy goods lane the slow lane like we're in an economic lane that just just is so your economy is so like low it's not invented yet <laughs> It's the breakdown lane. But then the sometimes, you know, sometimes things give and 
you know, you just hang in there. Tell me a little more about writing um, Bina as, as a list of warnings, um, especially because she, she knows she has to uh, disguise some of her uh, feelings and words um, because she's involved in this illegal activity? Well, you know, like I say, I'm fascinated by forum and language. And I sometimes think, I, I find it strange, like language is the means in literature. Um, there is no other means other than language. And so I always, you know, I'm trying to find the language I'm trying the book so that the book can become what it needs to become. And so it is true that in Bina, it, you know, people say, oh, it looks like poetry, but, but it's a novel. And also like, let's think about the mind. Let's think about the ways in which we experience fragmented thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm trying to, to replicate that in some ways. And, you know, I'm totally fascinated by music. Um, in that I'm, I'm not musical, I'm just horrible at music. I have like the worst singing voice, um, but I'm really interested in the way that music is scored and the way that you have a background, you have a foreground, you have yeah. a pause. And so, you know, and I add to that, I'm sorry, I'm such a, a abstract thinker, but in, and then the other thing that I always think about is the body, right? Like, how can I make prose that's muscular? Yeah. If if somebody, if a sentence has movement in it, how can I make the prose muscular? How can I make it move? And now, obviously, I don't always achieve this, but um, like my earlier work, there was a lot of sexuality in my first book. So I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying to find um, like, like musicality. Yeah. And so with Bina, okay, I'm really sorry for the listeners because I think in such a weird, fragmented way. But so with Bina, for example, like I'm really interested in cross-disciplinary influences. So one of the main things that I used was the paintings of Francis Bacon. So I looked at the paintings of Francis Bacon and I thought, oh, there's something so, um, so isolated and painful in these paintings. There's something so lonely. Um, how can I... How can I create that quality on the page? How can I make, how can I stamp, like put something, take something from that painting into the page? And then in parallel, I listened to the music of Quivino Rahala, who's um, an Irish, um, he's in a number of bands, but he's probably known for his work. Um, um, and now of course I can't think of the band, but he has a series of soundscapes that he wrote. Um, that, and he plays this violin that has six strings on it. And they're so eerie and, um, I, I, you know, I don't know quite how to describe them, but when I think of Quivine's violin music and I think of Francis Bacon, um, and there's probably a bunch of other stuff, like those are the, the things that I'm drawing from to try to create um, this, you know, isolated woman nobody's coming to save Bina you know and then the third thing <laughs> and now to really go completely off the planet was do you remember Werner Herzog's Demented Penguin video yes it's on you <laughs> I remember that yes. little penguin and he's going the wrong way and he's going across the arctic tundra and then Werner Herzog's voice comes in and says <laughs> he is walking towards certain death and so I kind of had that. I was like, well, 
what if Baina's like the demented penguin and she's walking across the tundra and she's just shouting these warnings back at us. Um, so, so that was, <laughs> I know this is a really strange combination. So that was another um, image that I had. I, I, I really, you know, I don't believe that people are going to save us. I mean, I've great faith in humanity. And obviously I put enormous stock in friendship. I think friendship's the best to be got in life. Um, I mean, love's grand, but it's inclement. It's an inclement weather system, right? It can come in, you can get it for a while, and then, blimey, it can just disappear. Um, whereas friendship, for the most part, like solid, decent, good friendship, is, is very consistent and stable. Um, so weather, that's another factor. I love the weather. So, sure. you know, trying to, I haven't answered your question. I'm very bad this way. It was a very good question and I haven't answered it, but um, it's very difficult for me to really kind of be specific about about how I wrote this book. Um, because sometimes, you know, it's really strange when you go back and you look at your books and you think, where did I come up with this stuff? Especially the, <laughs> especially the first one. Oh, my God. Sure. When I had to record the audio book, I had to record the audio book into the ear of a very young man. And I was just mortified. <laughs> <laughs> I was just and then stuff would come up in the book and I mean I wrote that book in 2011 and it took me 10 years to write it right and I was like oh my goodness this is a very depraved mind that wrote this book <laughs> but that's art making right and, and so have you gone back to Bina I mean because it was released um first in Canada then in the UK is that right yeah so it came out in 2019 in um Canada May and I know it was in May because the Raptors were through to the final of the <laughs> NBA. And I spent my book tour frantically trying to watch basketball matches. Um, and then it came out at the beginning of the pandemic in, in the UK, literally the week we all went into lockdown. So obviously that wasn't great. But um, and then now it's in America. So it's it's just wild. Um you know, it's so lovely on Twitter sometimes. And thank you to everybody who who's on Twitter and sometimes tweets things about my books because I see little pages from it. And, you know, I'm deep into another book that's just not going well because my books never, ever go well. <laughs> and I never think I'm going to be able to finish another book. And I just, you know, worry about dying and not getting my books written. Um, so you know, I'm always in this like, spin cycle of despair and then a little tweet will come up or somebody will say and it'll be like a page in my book and I'll, I'll be like oh and you just have no recollection of writing it and there was a lovely thing that happened yesterday because I think um it was Elisa I might be saying her name wrong Elisa Gaber yes uh, the writer who's just wonderful so yes. so gifted and she tweeted a a thing um from the book and it was, and the part that she tweeted was, know it wide, know it tall, know it long, know it far, whatever the combination is. I don't remember exactly. I will not shut up, right? I did and in then, fact see that tweet. <laughs> did you see that? Uh, a man wrote in Japanese, I had to translate it. And he said like, women responding to the chief of the 2020 Tokyo Olympics who said <laughs> that they talk too much in meetings. And I just loved it. And I was just like, oh, okay, I love the the redeployment right yeah. of your text um and like I say that's why um I'm so grateful to readers um I have the most incredible readers and you know I get my readers one reader at a time I, I literally get my readers a reader at a time and then 
three books later, they're still with me. And I just love them. They teach me so much about my books. They're really good looking. I don't have all my readers. <laughs> I swear to God, all my readers are good looking. Just None remember this, everyone. You know, yeah. Uh, and they have really useful, helpful facts for me. One time I hurt my foot and one of my readers on Twitter told me what to do. I've hurt my neck recently and a lot of my readers on Twitter told me what to do. They are, I have to tell you, I get a lot of useful information and <laughs> I learn about my book. People tell you the most interesting things, you know, and they send you, sometimes send you really beautiful messages. I remember this librarian and she said to me, I'm um, after she read my first novel, she said to me, she sent me a little message and she said, I'm going out for a long walk in the rain to think about our woman. It was so moving. That's wonderful. Yeah. So to everyone listening, you now you can see how much your input and gratitude uh, for an author can, can make a difference. Um, the opening of that work uses the, 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 the words, this is a female text. It's very powerful. And it's all about this queen of this poem, this Irish language poem. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to attempt to offer some, you know, haphazard um, summary of it. But needless to say, that work is about the body. It's about language. It's amazing on translation. And I think, again, I loved it because it's about a woman, Duran is a very well-known poet, and she writes in the Irish language on Gaelga and in English. Um, and so it's for me, it's like about a woman and her relationship to the line and to language. And then the third person I want to recommend is um, actually up four, uh, Suvankam Tamavongsa, who wrote this short story collection, How to Pronounce Knife. Um, yes, who is another and it's interesting to look because all of the books that I'm recommending, to be honest, they're poets. They began as they're not that they began as poets. They are poets. So obviously I, I have a, 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 a grow, as we say in Irish, a love for the poetic sensibility. So Suvankam's beautiful short story collection, uh, such sophisticated craft in that collection. And finally, Talia Field, you have like a whole body of her work to discover. Nobody will not, I can't, that's very bad English, but there's nobody out there that cannot find something, nobody who's interested in what language can do and what literature can do, um, will, will, will find, anybody like that will find something in Talia's work. And her prose, uh, her, her language, her prose is like 80 strength Scotch. So, and she's American. So I'm bringing home an American too, yeah. There, uh, thank you so much. What a, I mean, if you're not listening to this and wanting to go out and uh, buy all of her books, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, Anakena, thank you so much. This has been so fun. Well, thank you. This has been lovely. And um, it's so, I'm sorry if I got a little worked up, but I do get worked up about literature. I do get worked up about language. And as Bina would say, I'm not going to apologize despite the fact that I've just apologized. Thank you for listening to the Maris Review. And check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>